Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, yes! Welcome to Manchester United. Anthony Martial. Wonderful run from Giggs. Sensational goal from Ryan Giggs. Bruce. Yes. Rudy. Oh, wonderful. What a goal. And what a time. And what a play. What a play. Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 16 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast as we revel in some glory for once. It's been a brilliant week and I'm still buzzing after winning the FA Cup semi-final. The best way possible we can. It couldn't be 4-0. Uh, instead, Anthony Martial, 93rd minute. With me today, as always, is Jack Tate. We'll also be discussing the win against Crystal Palace and previewing a big game against Leicester City in terms of the title challenge and the top four challenge for us. And a bit about Wayne Rooney midfield. For just a few days, everyone has rightfully forgotten all of this season's troubles. Thanks to Anthony Martial. What a waste of money, Jack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's um, quite the turnaround from what everyone was saying and back in August. He's just proved that how much, how important he is to the team. Uh, it was such a cool, composed finish in 93rd minute. It really was just the most typical United way of winning an FA Cup semi-final, but it couldn't have been any sweeter. Yeah, I woke up on Sunday morning just still partly celebrating. It's one of those games where, in terms of actual quality, it won't go down as one of the best ever. In terms of the the moment in the season, by far the best moment in the season, and it will, it will stick with us for a good few years. But honestly, let's start at the back. David De Gea, best goalkeeper in the world, yeah. Certainly up there with with Manuel Neuer. I'm not sure if he's better than Neuer, but he's certainly very very close to to being that. Without a doubt, in my mind, the, the best in the league. And I mean, the the transformation in him from say four years ago is is just incredible. And that penalty save really was incredible incredible and just topped off what has been incredible two or three seasons from him 
was he your man of the match or Martial? That penalty save is quite astounding. There's so much power, but uh, from Romelu Lukaku, who had a pretty poor game, honestly. But with one hand, he managed to keep that out. Any other keeper, even Neuer, you'd think that would probably... I mean, maybe he'd stop it, but you'd think that would be getting past him despite getting a hand to it, just because of the power on it. And, and what was so impressive was the fact that he actually pushed it out wide as well. Not only did he get there, he, it would have been very easy just to palm it straight back into play, but he palmed it to the side. It meant that we could regroup and there was no no chance of Everton scoring straight from the rebound. It was a brilliant, brilliant save. I was so... And that, I think almost I, I almost celebrated that as much as the, as the goal at the time because it was just so unexpected. That happened again a few moments later when Everton were on top. Gerard Delafeu put in a, a great cross to Lukaku, and I think it was Daily Blind getting in the way so Lukaku can get to it. But De Gea managed to get to it, parried it away, and rather than parrying it towards Lukaku's feet, which you'd see from a lot of Premier League goalkeepers, and it would result in a goal, he parries it away from his feet. It's, it's that it's that instant must be in a millisecond that intelligence to do that and there was another key point when Everton were dominating in that period uh, he managed to calm the game down really really well I thought at times he probably should have passed it to Blind instead of hoofing it but every time he got a goal kick he'd kick it against the advertising board uh, much to the Everton fans annoyance but he he did that and it just it just sort of drowned the atmosphere that one bit it wasn't really to waste time it was just to calm down because the Everton fans were despite missing a penalty, despite being 1-0 down, were sensational in that period. It was a spell where I did the worst, in all honesty. It started before Everton scored the goal. Um, and, and ironically, almost, it actually came, a lot of it came through Tom Cleverley, who had a, a very good game, actually, against this former club. But they were really, really beginning to dominate the game. And like you said, De Gea did well to take, take the sting out of it. Uh, every time got a goal kick, like you said, there was just those few moments that he, he allowed us to regroup it just settled everything down a little bit. Uh, I think it just shows the maturity in his game that, that really wasn't there when he first joined United. And it's just another asset that he's really improved in. Yeah, and his defence in front of him, excellent too as well. Fosu Mensah uh, managed to give away a penalty and still had an excellent performance in most people's eyes. Firstly, was it a penalty? I think it was, yeah. I think it was a good decision. I mean, I was at Wembley and at the t- time I was in shock because it seemed... I, I think it was the linesman's decision because... Fosimitz uh, got up and I was celebrating, saying, well, what a great tackle. I managed to have the time, the, the seconds to say, what a superb tackle, what a superb player. And then the ref blew and pointed to the spot. So I assume it was uh, the linesman's decision. Looking back on it now, I can very much see why it was given. Uh, personally, I don't know whether I'd give it because the first challenge comes in with a little clip to Barkley. So I suppose you can definitely see why he's given it. But the, the second challenge to get the ball... Uh, was really good. I, looking at slow motion replays, he uh, looks a definite penalty though. Yeah, no, the same as you. I thought at, at first sight, I was really, really shocked that it was given as a penalty. Couldn't believe I was screaming at, at my TV, but it was definitely the right decision. Daily Blind, another excellent performance from him. And when Rooney created space, we'll talk about Rooney later, really, really good performance from him in the field. When Rooney created the space, instead of, because Smalling, although he's a great defender, in, in the very much the sense of being a defender, he's not the, he's not the Blind type player. And when Rooney created that space in midfield with his constant movement. Blind would drive into it and create attacks. And I really appreciated that because it just offers something so much different. And I suppose for once, um, we have to praise Marcus Rojo. I thought he was very much surprisingly good. A huge attacking threat in the first half, always in space, always managing to get away from um, from the right back. And I th- most of the season I've been disgusted by Rojo's performances. but 
not he he was certainly not the best on the field, but he didn't really do anything wrong much. Uh, yeah, I'd ha- I have to agree. I've been critical of Rojo as well. He has had a poor season, but he he was he was very good. He surprised me in in how well he he played. And like I said, especially going forward, I think because that's quite often been the weakest part of his game. But he did very well as com- he had quite a good combination with uh, Anthony Martial down the left hand side the whole game, especially in the first half. He was very good going forward. So yeah, no, I w- I was really impressed with him. And uh, we've spoken about one. Uh, man of the match contender, David De Gea. I can't ask you if Mario Fellaini is the best in the world, but uh, <laughs> inspiring <laughs> stuff on Saturday. Uh, r- really, really good. His best performance in the United shirt, I'd say. Really, genuinely really good. Um, and i tell you what I really liked. He pointed to the back of his shirt um, yeah. to, to show his name when he scored. There were no elbows at all. Mm. Not even the ones where you think, uh, right, if I wasn't a United fan, I would be very angry. No booking, no elbows. He was fine on the ball. Obviously not. He's not Xavi, but he was fine on the ball. He charged into space really well and shook off the defender with long strides rather than his elbows. So genuinely, if he can perform like that, which he won't do, but if if he could, <laughs> he'd be a great midfielder. Yeah, ab- absolutely. He's had a few good games recently. Actually, he was uh, very good in the re- in the replay actually against West Ham that got us to the uh, to the semi final. It was a really good performance. I think Fellaini definitely can be an effective player when he is at his best, and he certainly was that against Everton on Saturday. It was a, a really, really top performance. He played really well in midfield. Like you said, he, he's never he's never going to be someone who, who's playing world-class passes every five minutes, but he can be effective and he was effective. And I think it helped him playing alongside Rooney, who I'm sure we'll discuss a bit more in a, in a minute. Um, but I think that really helped him because it allowed him to get on with, it, with his own game. And he really deserved the goal for his work in the game. Carrick was composed, did well. Uh, I don't know if you can see it on TV, but he was shouting to his teammates and alongside Rooney for once, because we don't often see this from Carrick. He genuinely was a leader. We'll talk more in depth about Rooney after we've reviewed both games. Just quickly, uh, for me, he definitely has to stay in midfield. Uh, really excellent move so much that the space is huge in the Everton midfield. And spraying balls around gets out wide really quickly, unlike others, um, which is something that United fans are so used to and enjoy so much. And Instead of, like, I, I really like Carrick, um, although I think he could leave in the summer and deservedly so at times. Rooney's instinct is very different to that of Carrick, to that of Schneidlins, Schweinsteiger and Fellaini. As soon as he gets the ball, he turns forward straight away. Just instinct from playing on the street all those years ago and playing as a forward for the last 10, 15 years. And then coming back, uh, a true captain's performance, not Roy Keane-esque. It was a anniversary of Roy Keane at, uh, at Juventus in 1999 but not Roy Keane S but it was a proper captain's performance a headed clearance off the line to keep us in it at the start as well absolutely yeah it was great to see him thrive in that midfield role the the thing that really showed it to me was that um, beautiful clip pass through to Lingard in the first half where it got put Lingard one-on-one with uh, Joel that really hammered it home to me that the difference between him and a lot of our midfielders this season because whereas you know, picking the ball up 40 yards from goal, they'd be looking to kind of just pass sideways and, and keep the ball, keep the ball moving. Rooney was instantly on the half turn looking forward. And it's something so simple, but that we've dearly missed this season for a lot of, a lot of this year. And to see him just getting in the team straight into midfield and, and producing that sort of play that we've been crying out for for so long, it was a real, real breath of fresh air. And I hope that he does stay in midfield at least until the end of the season and quite possibly into next season as well. And uh, Jesse Lingard, we'll, we'll discuss Rooney in more detail in a second, whether she, he should stay there, as you say he should. Um, Jesse Lingard and Marcus Rashford, both 
very good, and I, <laughs> I particularly liked uh, their little handshake. They did it at the start of the game, actually, but at the end, miles on their faces, both United lads, little handshake. That game really summed up United, and we haven't been able to say that a lot of times this season, but surviving such a dominant period from Everton, where genuinely they were good, it wasn't just that we were slightly poorer than in the first half, they, they were genuinely good and looked a massive threat if their finishing wasn't good enough. To survive that and then to score in the 93rd minute, get yourself to the <laughs> FA Cup final, a trophy that has for so long had United on it, as uh, embezzled on it as the greatest FA Cup side, and Arsenal have overtaken us, not actually, but they've won more, and uh, we can level things up. It, it, before, 10 years ago, it was our trophy, the Ron Atkinson years, even Matt Busby, his first trophy, Ferguson, his first trophy, and we won it first back in 1909. So it, it really is our trophy and we need to win it again. The man who made it such a uh, united occasion, Anthony Martial, even before the goal, he's a man of the match contender. Some incredible runs. Apart from that awful mischance where he absolutely <laughs> skied it. I don't know what he was doing. He just had to keep it down and at least he'd win yeah. a corner. Aside from that, what a game he had and composure to net in the 93rd minute. Yeah, he was, he was brilliant all game. He gave Mohamed Besic absolute nightmares, especially in the first half. Some of the, the jinking runs that he went on down the left flank were quite sublime in all honesty. Besic had absolutely no idea where he was going. And if it wasn't for a, a brilliant block from John Stones, he may have had a goal early on and then, as you say, skied that. That great chance with his left foot where he was a bit too rash. But he <laughs> more than made up for that in the 93rd minute with how composed he stayed. A brilliant, brilliant finish. And what I liked about the, the second goal was that even when it looked like Herrera had lost the ball, Martial didn't stop, didn't stop moving. Didn't, he anticipated that something might happen and he carried on his run. And although it, it seems like such a simple thing, a lot of players in that situation would have seen that Herrera might have given the ball away and then just stopped and thought the attack was over. But he had the presence of mind to keep going, to keep anticipating, and, and it paid off for him spectacularly. Yeah, and a Herrera, not the same season as he had last year. Much worse this season much more inconsistent and he can uh, compared to last season where it was an absolute disgrace that he wasn't played enough this season you can see why Van Gaal hasn't played him but he came on and we've just I've just mentioned the fact that it was such a United kind of game and Herrera comes on just a few minutes later he's booked as Barkley was breaking take him on for the team that's it's just what we like to see and that's why he's loved so much and as Alex Shaw of um, ESPN tweeted it's, it's Herrera's tenacity to continue to look for that flick through after failing once and then falling down. He's he's on the floor, uh, sprawled on the floor, and he sticks his leg out, and Martial, with that perhaps striker's anticipation that we haven't always seen, uh, manages to get on it. And for the second time this season, we're going to Wembley. This week, for once, we can't complain, can we? And do, do you think we'll win in the final? Crystal Palace, uh, redo of the nineteen ninety final? I really hope so. I really hope so. Um, my head tells me that we will... I mean, it's always a lottery in the FA Cup final. You never know what, what could happen. Hopefully it's a repeat of last year's final where kind of the, the, the bigger club in Arsenal just kind of walked over Aston Villa. That would be great. But it's always going to be a tough game. I really hope that we can come out on top. If I had to make a prediction right now, then yeah, I would say that we'll win. Right. Let's move on to the Crystal Palace game. Uh, it seems odd, but we played them in midweek in the Premier League. Uh, not quite as exciting as at Wembley, but... Uh, nevertheless, it was three points and quite important points, really, in the top four race. As we didn't play, so now we have a game in hand on Arsenal uh, because we were in the Cup. Arsenal drew 0-0 to Sunderland and 
those three points against Palace are um, just looking slightly more important now than they did at the time. If I had to describe it, bog standard win, dull, but got the points, and that's really that's all that matters at the moment. It was a strange performance, actually, because I thought we started pretty well. Like, getting that early goal helped, obviously, a bit of luck with the Delaney own goal. Yeah, no, I thought it was a strange performance. We started well, and then our level kind of dropped, but as you said, it wasn't, it didn't seem like a game with a massive intensity. You could tell, I think, that, you know, the, with how low the attendance was as well. It was sort of a game that was a bit more low-key than, than some of the other games we've had recently. But nonetheless, it was an important win. Like you said, it kind of heightened its importance after Arsenal dropped points of the weekend. So we do still have an outside chance of perhaps getting top four. We just need to maintain this form. It's strange to have a podcast in which we've had two games in a week and we've actually won both of them. In fact, I'll move on to this in the youth section later, but we got that one last-minute winner at Wembley. Under-18's got a last-minute winner, and the under-21's got a last-minute winner to win the title. Uh, we'll move <laughs> on to that later, but throughout the club, not quite the, the week of probably three years ago when Robert Van Persie was scoring a hat-trick to win us a Premier League title, but uh, nonetheless, the best week of the season all round throughout the club, and we've made a few youth signings, which I'll also tell you about. Did anyone stand out? For me, I can't, <laughs> I can't say anyone did stand out. I think to get lucky with that Delaney on goal early on, was very helpful because so many times this season, as uh, everyone must know, unless you've been living under a rock, we have gone in to halftime at nil-nil. So I think that massively helps. And we saw it against Stoke, I think it was in February when we beat them 3-0, that just getting that early goal helps us so much because there's so much pressure on to score that goal. And Delaney did it for us. So very thankful to him. And uh, may he replicate it in the FA Cup final as well, which is great to say we're in. (laughs) Still happy about that. Any other points from that game that you want to mention before we move on to Wayne Rooney's role? Well, actually, the only one is just what a goal from Darmian as well. That was an amazing finish. But apart from that, no, it was game seemed to just fly by without too many incidents. Yeah, that uh, goal from Darmian had shades of Raphael about it, mm. which makes me happy, but also very sad that we no longer have Raphael. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, let's move on to Wayne Rooney. In midfields twice throughout this week, and uh, both times was very impressive. On Palace, he was uh, significantly worse in the second half, but that's expected when he's coming back from uh, quite a long-term injury, two months I think it was. Particularly at Wembley, one of the standout performers, and he should stay there, you think? I think so, yeah. Funny enough, I actually tweeted probably about 10 days ago now that I think I thought Rooney should be played in midfield, and I got absolutely slated for it on Twitter. But I just think that he, the way that he plays, the attributes that he has are suited to playing that midfield role. Um, and I think physically now, in, in terms of the, the pace and power that we always associate with Wayne Rooney, it's on the wane. Uh, so we're sorry, not meaning to put that <laughs> awful pun in there. So I think he's not as suited to playing up top now as he, as he used to be when he was younger. And moving into that deeper role can be a real big help for him, especially against Everton when, Although we set up as sort of a 4-2-3-1, it almost ended up playing more as a 4-3-3 with Rooney dropping into a real midfield three with Carrick and Fellaini. I thought that really, really worked well. I definitely think he should stay there until the end of the season and I hope that he stays there for for the foreseeable future. If he's going to play a midfield, I think we definitely need two other midfielders there because I think unless you're playing a small team, so say in in the FA Cup third round, say we get someone like Shrewsbury Town again or Cambridge uh, United or someone like that then I think yeah fine have Rooney in midfield too but if you're having if you're playing Everton say or Palace a, a proper Premier League side then I think you definitely need 
at least two midfielders to sort of allow Rooney to also have some freedom because yeah. throughout his career he's had freedom and throughout his career he's blossomed by having that freedom. I think, yeah, he's definitely got to stay there. His pace as a striker has certainly gone and there's no doubt that the the Wayne Rooney of old doesn't exist anymore. Um, I think, even I, I'm Rooney's biggest fan. I just find the fact that people don't appreciate what the country has and what United have, although he's under the transfer request, what the country and club has, I don't feel that we appreciate Rooney. And you look at all the foreign players who uh, call him, like Messi called him the player of his generation for England the other day, but people just brushed it off. Uh, other foreign players and fans realise his importance, and I think he has the ability to hold down that midfield role and extend his career by a, another two or three years because the pace might have gone as a striker. But in terms of midfielder, he's probably quicker than most current midfielders just because he's been playing as a striker and he has that he has that yeah. ability to just drive out of midfield like no one else has in our team, certainly. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, what I liked as well was that recently he, he came out, I think it was after the Everton game, and said that he actually saw himself now as playing in that midfield role, as almost trying to fulfil the kind of role that Skulls always had in the United squad. And the reason I really liked that was because He's always maintained, even in the last few years when he has started to play a little bit deeper, he's always maintained that playing as a centre-forward was always his main ambition. He still wants to play as a, as a central striker. That is still his favourite decision. And now to see him kind of recognise the fact that his strengths now lie in playing a deeper role, I thought was great to see because it might just mean that he embraces it even more. Um, and I mean, if he keeps replicating the kind of form that we've seen in the last couple of games, especially against Everton, then it could it could work out very very well. Yeah, as you say, embracing it is key to this because that Everton performance has been impressive. Palace he was impressive too from midfield, but there's no doubt that he's going to have to work hard to make it work because you can't just switch positions like that and have it work perfectly for you. And you mentioned Skulls there; uh, he's not going to be Paul's goals. And it's worth noting. Some people forget that Paul Scholes wasn't always this deep lying midfielder. He was an attacking midfielder. He used to run forward, score goals. Scholes had to develop. Rooney can develop. He won't be Paul Scholes. He won't be that good. He doesn't have that touch, but he has the same, not quite as good, but he has the same sort of uh, vision in his eye to notice those passes. And I think particularly if Memphis Depay comes back into the team, he's often been making those incredible runs. Uh, and people haven't been able to pick him out or even just haven't seen him. I think Rooney being midfield could help Memphis in that sense that he can pick out that pass. And Rooney will signal, a, Rooney midfield will certainly signal a change in formation to a, a mix of a 4-1-4-1 to a 4-3-3. So perhaps that might add more excitement. We don't know yet. <laughs> we can only hope. I mean, I definitely agree that it, he needs two midfielders around him because you know, let's not kid ourselves. Defensively, he's still not the best, the best midfielder around. So he does need that, those two midfielders around him to kind of help make sure that we don't get overrun in midfield. But I do think it's something that we need to try for a prolonged period. I mean, I, I think back to David Moyes' ill-fated season at Old Trafford. And even in that season, Rooney played in midfield for quite a bit. And he was one of the few people that actually impressed to some extent playing in that role. So he, can, he definitely can do it. And I think if he's given a prolonged spell in the team in that position I think he could make it really really make it his own 
And in the news this week, after that Everton match, praise was coming from all corners for David De Gea. What a goalkeeper we have, so thinks Michael Carrick. He says he can't count how many times United have had to thank De Gea for saving them over the past three years. Wayne Rooney held the strength of De Gea's one-handed save, given how powerful Lukaku's penalty was. After he scored the winning goal in the 93rd minute, Anthony Martial will stay out wide with Louis van Gaal. The Dutchman insists that Martial is better on the right or left flank, and he has proved so, as Jack said in one of our opening episodes in January. Uh, the Dutchman also said he's been pleased with Wayne Rooney's two performances in midfield against Everton and Palace. Michael Carrick says he's missed comebacks like that one at Wembley, describing it as a phenomenal feeling. In transfer news, Duncan Castles of the Times reported on Sunday that Manchester City will compete with United this summer for Benfica's Renato Sanchez. United have been scouting him at every Benfica game for months now. I interviewed Portuguese football journalist Jan Hagen on Renato, so I'll put a link on that in the description so you can get the lowdown on this 18-year-old midfielder. Lots of people don't know about him, so it's only a 10-minute interview and might be worth listening to. Sergio Ramos says he did consider moving to United last summer, revealing there was an official offer. And for a moment, he thought about a change of scenery. Manchester United have paid more in agent fees than anyone else in the last four months, despite not signing anyone. Over 10 million were paid to agents in the months of October to February. The club said this mainly came from payments for new contracts to players like David De Gea. In other news, Van Gaal has got a thing for comparing young players to previous young players he's had at other clubs. First, he said that Timothy Fosu-Mensa could be like Bastian Schweinsteiger in changing position in the future. Then he compared Marcus Rashford to Patrick Cliver, who won the Champions League with Van Gaal at Ajax, aged 18. On Fosu-Mensa, the player himself put the bed claims from some United fans. His versatility could harm him. He said playing in various positions for United has helped him develop. Jesse Lingard insists he's no longer nervous about playing for United and feels a duty to protect the younger players, as Welbeck and Cleverly did when he was younger. And we saw that in the Manchester derby when he rushed over to Zabaleta and Di Michelis when they were attacking Rashford. Juan Sebastian Veron admitted he has regrets over leaving United too early. Another former player, Nemanja Vidic, says he has been impressed with United's defence this season, particularly Chris Smalling. And finally, Javier Hernandez thanked Van Gaal for his honesty but said the Dutchman telling him he wouldn't play unless Rooney was unfit made him leave the club to buy a Leverkusen where he's been a massive success. In youth news this week, as I mentioned a bit earlier, it was a brilliant week for United's youth sides. While we had a great comeback at Wembley for the senior side, last week kicked off on Monday with a last-minute comeback from the under-21 side. Guillermo Varela netted in the 94th minute at White Hart Lane to win the under-21 Premier League for United. The second consecutive year we've done that and the third time in four years since uh, the competition changed format. United started well with two goals in 16 minutes from Donald Love and Andreas Pereira. Spurs levelled by the 81st minute through William Mitchell and Joe Pritchard, but Verreda smashed it home to huge celebrations in the final minute of stoppage time. Uh, Rochelle and William ran like a madman over to the United away support. <laughs> uh, I think there were, there were about the same amount of United fans uh, at White Hart Lane on a Tuesday night via an under-21 game as Tottenham fans there, so very impressive. Wow. Another comeback, not quite as decisive, but could prove to be came for the under-18 side. Angel Gomez scored in the last minute in a 3-2 win against Norwich City in the under-18 Premier League playoffs. United need a lot of results to go their way and to win next weekend to win Group 3 of the Premier League playoffs. In youth news, United have signed Ireland under-17 international and under-16 captain Leo Connor from Waterford, uh, where I think John O'Shea came from. Jack, how have our lone players been doing this week? In all honesty, not great. Um, not many of them actually played in the end. Um, Dean Henderson did play 90 minutes uh, as Stockport won 3-0. In fact, the goalkeeper actually managed to get an assist during that game as well. Um, <laughs> Kieran O'Hara wasn't in the Morecambe squad as they lost 4-1. Um, and similarly, 
Tyler Blackett continues to be frozen out. Celtic, whilst Victor Valdez is actually out injured at the moment, uh, although Standard Liège did win 4-1 in his absence. James Wilson and Nick Powell, they both didn't play. James Wilson was an unused sub in Brighton's 3-1 win, and Nick Powell is still out injured. Ashley Fletcher did play 90 minutes, but he couldn't get on the score sheet as Barnsley drew 0-0. So really, apart from Dean Henderson, it was a pretty disappointing week for United's loanies. And let's move on to the Leicester City game. Surprising to say this, uh, <laughs> Leicester could not win the league on the day unless Tottenham draw tonight. We're recording on a Monday, but it could basically win them the title at Old Trafford. Who, I mean, who would have thought? I mean, we said that so many times this season, but we can say it again and again and again. What a story! Um, good thing is that them thrashing Swansea mean we can beat them and they can still win the league, which is good <laughs> because otherwise I would have felt quite guilty. My prediction: a one-one draw. Being very optimistic on our high after Wembley. What do you think? <laughs> um, I mean, it's tough to predict anything but a loss, really, with the way Leicester are playing. But, like you said, maybe on a high after Wembley, it would help. The one thing that could be in our favour is Jamie Vardy's um, FA appeal is being heard today. So hopefully, he will his ban will continue until the United game, and then that may give us a better chance. But who knows? And um, we've only got the one question this week from Kevin Leahy. He asked us, where would you rank yesterday's game in United's FA Cup history? Um, well, for for me, it's got to be quite high because I'm 15. Jack, you're 18, I think, aren't you? So yeah. we haven't really experienced the greatest moments uh, in our history. We haven't experienced Mark Robbins in 90. I wasn't born when Ryan Giggs scored that incredible goal against Arsenal and Cantona coming back uh, in the FA Cup to win it after his ban. We haven't experienced anything like that. So for me, I don't even remember 2004. So for me, it ranks very highly up there in my history, certainly. But in the overall history, it's probably not up there with the best. We were playing Everton. We weren't playing Arsenal. It wasn't a, it wasn't a huge clash of, of the Titans, really. Uh, a silver lining to a very, very dark cloud this season. I mean, yeah, for me, it's certainly one of the best moments in the FA Cup that I personally can remember. But I mean, it's certainly not up there with, with the best FA Cup moments in, in United history. It was a good moment, but I think, like as you said, without meaning to be disrespectful to Everton, you know, they're, they're no Manchester City or Arsenal or, or Leicester, as it were, this season. Um, so, I mean, it's certainly not up there with, with one of our best, but it was nonetheless a, a great, great game and a great moment when Martial scored. Yeah, it doesn't really... I mean, I said Everton, like, it's not a clash of the Titans. I, to be honest, I don't care who we were against. 93rd minute at Wembley uh, from our waste of money signing. Uh, I've gone into school today and I'm still absolutely buzzing. Uh, <laughs> incredible moment. And May 21st, um, the FA Cup final against Crystal Palace. You'd very much uh, have us as favourites to win against the struggling Palace, although they've been very impressive in the Cup. That's all we have time for today. You may have noticed already, but we've moved to Acast. Uh, previously, we were hosted on Audio Boom, so sorry to any subscribers on there that have had to move uh, because of this, but it was costing too much money. Acast is free, but it therefore provides its own advert. Sorry about them, but we considered it and thought that for the amount of hours going into this, it's probably worth it. Hopefully, you think that too. Uh, we're also sponsored by Classic Football Shirts, thousands of retro or current United kits there. And England, I bought myself an England kit from there ahead of the 2014 World Cup, uh, quite cheap. I'll put a link in the description to the show. If you click on that and buy something, we can start finding more for the podcast, like websites, uh, better audio quality and YouTube, etc. Anything you want. 
Anyway, that's all we have time for. Thank you very much for listening to Series 1, Episode 16 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Jack, where can we find you on Twitter? At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod, P-O-D. What a week that was. Goodbye. Oh, he's got it back to Martial, who has surely won it for Manchester United. In the dying seconds of added time, Anthony Martial has surely sent his club back to Wembley for the final. Everton distraught, but a dramatic game has had a fitting ending. Anthony Martial makes the difference. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.